the show. This is a good one again. This is kind of the start of me and Dan's uh, deer season. We're going to do a series all through deer season this year where we essentially just talk about our week of deer hunting and brainstorm ideas, bounce things off you guys in the comments, in the chats, on the live show. And yeah, it's going to be a good one for everybody that's that's listening this year. Also, uh, before we start the show, got to thank some of my sponsors. The first one being Exodus Outdoor Gear for podcast listeners up until uh, the end of this month and up until the end of August here. They're going to continue to run their Velvet Fest specials. You can use the code SUMMERBUCKS, uh, uppercase S-U-M-M-E-R, uppercase B-U-C-K-S at checkout and save 18%. And that's just exclusive to the podcast listeners, so you heard it here first. Um, they all they got all kinds of cool stuff going on during Velvet Fest. It's a real, really cool promotion. Um, you, you can use a hashtag Velvet Fest on any of your social media platforms, and you'll be entered to win some online prizes. Also, if you order a camera off them, you'll get a scratch off in in the box with the camera, and that could save you 15 to 25 percent on your next camera or the new MMT arrows. Um, just know whenever you buy something off Exodus, those guys are are good people. They're hard workers, um, just good Americans. So. Go to Exodus Outdoor Gear, get signed up for their newsletter to, to get all this information sent to your email and uh, get you some Exodus gear. Also, I got to thank Lou at Stealth Outdoors, makers of stealth strips and um, the best silencing tape on the market. Lou's the best. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He um, goes above and beyond as far as customer service and he has good products. I mean, the products are, it's a no-brainer with stealth strips. They're affordable and they flat out work. They last forever. Um, I keep keep a lot of it just hanging around for emergency cases. Um, so go to stealthoutdoors.com and get you some stealth strips. Also got to thank Hunting Beast Gear, makers of, in my opinion, the best stand and sticks on the market. Um, the the beast stand for the the weight and the size is, is I think, the, a no-brainer on the market on, on the market right now for mobile hunting. Um, they also just have all kinds of cool stuff in the works that are that's coming down the line to, to get uh, excited about. So make sure you go to uh, huntingbeastgear.com. Um, take a look on their website if you want the best premium stand and sticks for being mobile on the market. Go no further than Hunting Beast Gear. All right, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Another week went by. Um, I'm down. Yep, we got a whole bunch of people on tonight, so that's good. Over 100 people already. Um, thanks for getting on, everybody. We keep growing. It's crazy right now. It's a lot of fun to be a part of it. So, um, what have you been up to, Dan? Uh, not much. Hunting season's coming up pretty quick. I think it's start getting some stuff ready. Yeah, you're telling me. I leave Tuesday for Nebraska and, uh, I keep thinking, oh, I got time to do this, and I got time to get this together, and I don't anymore. Like, I got to get it done. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're hunting in a week, and I'm hunting in a week and a half. Yeah, I'll be yeah, I'll be up in the tree stand. I'm probably get, just getting ready for one to walk in right now, I'd say. I hope at least. Um, that's what we were – me and Dan are planning on just doing this every week during deer season at some point in time, and um, – just giving people updates and brainstorming on our week of hunting. And this is kind of the kickoff to that because I'm, I'm hunting next week. So 
we'll be probably on, on this podcast, me and Dan will be going back and forth on strategies for trying to kill a buck somewhere in Nebraska for me next week. Um, so this will be fun. These will be, these will be good. I think a lot of people will, will like them and what'll be cool about them, I think is it's going to be helpful for everybody. Cause we're all going to be in kind of the same time frame, same, you know, obviously we're going to be in the same different gen, uh, general areas, but, um, I think it'll be cool for everybody as, as well as cool for us. But anyway, how's your clover plot doing that you burnt to the ground? Uh, that one is actually, um, brassicas and stuff it's uh, oh. a green mixture i got from racks um that grew really well believe yeah. it or not um the clover plot's spotty but um i chased deer out when i was seeding the um the fire spot yeah and they've never come back i've had mm. a camera down there since yeah so, i don't know what is it three weeks there hasn't been a deer in there Hmm. woodchucks eating yeah. the hell out of it but uh that normally don't get a lot of deer it's just a fun spot in the yard where i can watch that wildlife and stuff you know yeah i hadn't heard you mention it anymore since you burnt it down so i didn't know if it was growing or not it's growing really well i went down and hmm. i munched on a little myself today i like brass because they taste good yeah yeah i uh i planted something similar uh whatever is i guess it was saturday friday Last Friday. Now, we'll see if it takes off or not. Stuff my one, yeah, my one farm I have, um, the farmer disc the fields like he pulls a disc behind the, um, um, pulls it behind the combine essentially. I mean, he disc it right away. Mm-hmm. And if if I don't plant that little food plot, it makes a difference on that farm. Like, if I don't plant that food plot, they usually don't kind of hang out around there, and they they are all in the neighbors just cause there's crop fields over there, not bare dirt, but, um, so I try to get that one food plot in every year. I still haven't like perfected what I like to plant there yet, but. Dave's is going to be interesting because that's, that place is usually, um, low on good bucks when we don't have food plots. I didn't put any in cause I didn't know whether or not I'd have the property or not. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I do have, um, a couple cell cams out there for the study and i did pick up um two shooter bucks um one's a nine pointer that's like a minimal for what i'd like to shoot but he's okay and the yeah. other one is interesting it looks like a very mature one antler deer but i just got some partial pictures of him and it makes me wonder if it's that giant halloween mm-hmm. four point do you remember that buck yeah yeah. It'd be something if that buck was still alive. How how long ago was it last time you had pictures of him or saw him? Um two years, I think, maybe three. Hmm. Yeah, it could be though. Um before we kind of get going here, now that there's more people on, uh make sure that you like the video if you like it and um subscribe to the channel if you haven't. We'll do some giveaways here uh, in the future, and you'll have to be subscribed. So go ahead and get it out of the way. Also tonight, put uh, I see a lot of people putting from where they're from in the comments. Uh, do that for me again. We did that like real early on, and 
it's pretty cool to see where everybody is from. Even if you don't, not a commenter, I know not everybody watching is commenting, but if you could just throw your, where you're from, see how big a reach we got anymore. We had people from a guy on from Hawaii one night, I remember. And then some Canadians. I don't think we get outside of North America though. Hmm. (laughs) Um, You never know. I mean, um, um, I've talked to fans from um, other countries that have whitetails. Um, I'm trying to think of the country. Mm, one of them did a, a video on beast hunting over there and sent it to us. I didn't even know they had whitetails. Yeah. What was that? can't remember. Yeah, what I wouldn't know either. But we do have that's fans cool outside of North America. Yeah, that's that's crazy to think about. Yep. Um Anyway, uh, Nebraska, Dan, have you ever hunted that early in the season? Like the first of September for whitetails? No, I think the earliest I hunted was around, uh, for whitetails was around September 12th or something. Um, maybe the 10th, uh, there was a, a couple of years we opened really early in Wisconsin, just the way it fell. Yeah. Um, but uh, never around the first. I always wanted to. I always thought that Wisconsin could really have something nice if they uh, opened up like uh, third week of August or uh, September 1st. And mm-hmm. uh, our DNR is, seems to be, from what I've talked to biologists of, um, they seem to be worried about uh, fawn kills at, or doe kills at that time because of fawns. But uh, they could just make it buck only for like the first three weeks. Yeah. It would uh, really be a draw for the state for uh, non-residents. And it would be exciting for the hunters here. I mean, there's really, really good odds of scoring on something big in that time frame. I mean, you even look at me. I mean, uh, out of my my top 10 whitetails, most of them came early season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right within the first week of the season. Right. I know. uh, I uh, well, Cody, those guys from Light 'em Up Outdoors are in Tennessee right now. They're getting ready to hunt this weekend. I think their season opens uh, Saturday, so mm. that's something we could do one year's buzz down there and try that. That's before everybody, other than like your some of your southern. So I think like South Carolina opens yeah. like August fifteenth. We threw them guys uh, some beast sticks. They're supposed to be giving them away. Yep. Yeah, I think you have to go over there. Yeah, and then I'm excited to get on their channel to watch that velvet hunt because I'm interested in it. I was thinking about going this year, but I just uh, I want to go to I want to go to Nebraska. Yeah, I'd be right there with you if it wasn't for bears. And I don't know if there's going to be any year soon that I'm not bear hunting. Right. I want to go to Maine. I want to go to Michigan. I've got points built up in Michigan. Yeah. Um, I got a friend in Maine. I'd like to hunt with him once. Yeah, you could so. go right now though. We could go to all. We can go in August to somewhere and. Tennessee or wherever. Yeah. I didn't you know, I, I was thinking about it. You know, usually bear season totally consumes me because of the baiting. Yeah. Um, and getting help with baiting the way I did this time. Yeah. I literally could have went someplace else because I'm really not doing anything but checking pictures and right. making sure he's following the right routine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I did I also looked at into the Kentucky pretty hard or Tennessee pretty hard. I mean, and there was actually quite a few like 
rules and regulations and kind of some CWD stuff. And, um, I hate being overregulated. I just like simple yeah. regulations. You either can or you can't. Yep, exactly. Yeah, there were certain places you could go. You couldn't. You could only hunt private here and this and that. And I just was. I was just a little bit. I I just didn't want to think that much about it. So I, I decided to go to um, Nebraska. I think if I have more time to kind of do research and maybe buzz down there and look around and kind of get my bearings, then I I. I'll do it one year for sure. It's a lot closer to my house too than Nebraska, but um, you also get, I think you also get multiple buck tags whenever you buy one in, in Tennessee. So you can go back down and hunt later or something, but um, don't quote me on that. I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure you get more than one. Um, Some guys were doing it where they would, they'd hunt Tennessee because, um, yeah, you could. Well, no, I don't think you could. Never mind. I was thinking Kentucky will come in next weekend. Then, so you hunt Tennessee this weekend, Kentucky next weekend, and then go home, <laughs> hmm. which would be, which would be pretty fun. Um, but Tennessee just seems like it'd be hot down there right now too. Hunting be pretty, pretty hot. You have to get on the deer pretty quick and get get them uh, in something cold. Uh, you guys, I mean, you guys can be pretty warm in September, though, right? Oh yeah, in Wisconsin. Yeah, I've yeah. shot a lot of them in the t-shirt, sweating. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that uh, a few years ago when you were down here, it was like eighty. It was eighty something in November. You remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were in, we hunted in t-shirts in November. That was uh, crazy weather. Um. Anyways. Uh, how this works, everybody, there's over 200 people on now is if you got any questions for us, just leave them in the comments and me and Dan, will try to get to them. We'll also, I'll throw a link up in the comments to call in whenever we get to the end of the show. And if you want to call in and talk to us or ask some questions, you can just follow the link that I, I put on. And, um, I saw a couple people asking how you call in. That's how you do it. Um, you just be in the down below for us here and I'll, I'll bring you in whenever the time comes. So just be patient if you want to talk. Um, anyways, Dan, if you were me going to Nebraska, where would you start that early in the season? Wherever there's a giant buck. Yeah. I would probably, um, study some maps. I would, uh, I would probably reach out if, um, and see if anybody I know, like online or anything, uh, is from that area and has any ideas. I would probably check with the DNR and uh, talk to some of their biologists about the better areas of the state. And then I would try and find areas that are not your typical bow hunting areas. I think uh, I think a lot of big bucks in Nebraska live in fairly treeless areas, and that uh, a lot of people stick to trees. So the areas that do have trees, I think get a little overhunted in the areas that are like uh, maybe grassy or marshy or stuff don't. Um, that, I might be wrong there, but that's been my perception of Nebraska. I haven't been there, so I don't, I can't say for sure. Yeah. That's the kind of way I'd go into it, you know, and I adapt really quick. I look at things that I, you know, I, I think deer would be there, you know, and then, uh, go on from there usually the dnr um 
if you get a hold of one of the biologists, they really help you out a lot because uh, they'll know of new properties that have just been purchased or they'll know about hunter densities. They'll know about uh, um, average age classes of deer that get taken off of certain public properties or areas. Uh, and usually they have a couple tips for you. Yeah. I haven't reached out to, I, I, uh, I know a guy that lives out there and we've been kind of chatting back and forth. Um, I haven't reached out to any DNR people. I talked to someone last year. Um, I got stopped by a conservation officer and me and him talked for a good while. Cause it was, I was at the parking lot, like in the middle of the day, just kind of hanging out, waiting around. And he was just trying to figure out what I was going on. I was just deer hunting. Well, he he's kind enough to keep talking to you after he wrote the tickets. Yeah, no, no, he didn't even, I, uh, we sat there and talked for like 30 minutes and, uh, I finally was like, I kind of want to get going, you know? And he finally, I was like, you want to look at my license so I can, uh, I need to get going here pretty soon. And he's like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> and then I, uh, I handed him over to him and he looked at him for about a second and, and, uh, I was on my way. He's a super good guy. Um, I was, my plan is I'm going to get down there. So it opens on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get down there Tuesday evening and I think I'm going to spend Tuesday evening just driving the roads, looking in crop fields. And I don't know, I think last year when I hunted around in Nebraska, um, I think I honestly, I think I may have been in the wrong areas where the deer were bedding a little closer to food than what I was giving them credit for or, or whatever you want to say, not giving them the credit for. Yeah. Um, I had like multiple people, after I got done telling me like, ah, those deer are probably not back where you were at. They're probably just hanging out near, near uh, food and moseying around just because they don't have much pressure. right? you know, right now and in, in early season in Nebraska. So last year I, I glassed a little bit, but not as much as I, well, I didn't, I just didn't show, it didn't show, nothing showed up when I was glassing. Um, and I think I'm going to spend a little bit more time the first couple of days. I think that's a solid plan. I mean, uh, if you, your schedule too might allow it. I mean, if you get there a couple of days early and yeah, I, just I will look around. I mean, you gotta you gotta put time into scouting on those road trips. I really get a kick out of the people that tell me, um, "What are you doing walking around during the rut when you're on a road trip? You should be sitting yeah. in a tree twenty four. Well, when do you scout? You got to put yourself in the right tree. So um, the glassing is huge. I think the um, I think. Uh, uh, walking around and finding fresh sign is huge um and checking out some of them leads i think having a whole bunch of areas mapped out that you think would be good overlooked spots and going to each of them walking them you, you know not walking in and kicking the deer out of the bed in areas but walking them with the mindset that if you find something you're going to hunt it kind of yeah yeah that's always huge so i mean Literally, though, rather than go a couple days early, yeah, you could go during hunting season. You can do the same thing. I mean, if you got seven days, you got seven days, you know, and you could uh, glass in the uh, mornings and stuff like that. I've done well on that. I did well on that in uh, Indiana at the challenge last year when uh, I stopped running all over the place like a crazy man and started glassing in the mornings and trying not to just go out and be somewhere in the morning. I did much better. I started locating big bucks. I started getting on them and zooming in on them. And uh, I still didn't kill one, but I came pretty close because of it. Do you think that would work, though, in early season? 
Because, I mean, you were deer, deer here in the rut when bucks mm. may have been out and about early, you know. I, was, no, I, don't, I, think, I don't think it hurts, but I, I think you'll probably get your best action early season by actually walking, finding sign, and then hunting that sign that evening. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. You think uh, – so? I, if you were going to get them glassing, I think you'd get the glassing would be good in the evenings. Sure, yeah. That's why – that's why I'm going to go a couple days early is so I can spend those evenings under behind some glass trying to, you know, find mm-hmm. a buck I want to shoot. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, yeah, here, here's I, the thing, thing though. I mean, um, when you come back, is it still going to be hunting season? Or, I mean, is it going to be hunting season where you're going to be? Because if you go during hunting season, but you take the same plan, maybe it's not opening day. Maybe believe it's the day before. Yeah. And just glass in the evening. You could literally glass with a bow too, and if you see an opportunity, move to it. You could yeah, glass, yeah. you know, and uh, you could see something and hunt it the next day, rather than okay, it opens in two days, and is somebody going to get in there? Somebody going to booger something up? Is you know now locals come in, and some dog walker comes through? You don't know what's going to happen. Where during season, I mean, you can immediately start planning and hunting as soon as you have the opportunity when you see something. I'm not saying yeah. it's a bad idea to get there early. Yeah, but, I mean, it's so early. That I think when you get home, it ain't going to be hunting season yet. Sure. So yeah. if you're going to go there for so many days, I'd try to probably make it during hunting season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll have essentially one day before. I mean, I'll, I'll get down there Tuesday night, hopefully have time to just drive around. And then I was planning on Wednesday, which is day before season. Then, mm. um, yeah, I, that's what I was going to talk to you about is like, what do you think about like, what, what does a guy do in the mornings when he's hunting early season like that? This scout, would you... scout, 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 hunt. Yeah. I'd spend my whole that... morning scouting and then I'd hunt the best spot I found. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I had in my mind. Best box. Yeah. I, uh, that's kind of what I did last year. I, I think I sat one morning and I didn't, I don't know. Didn't see a deer. Um, I probably would have been better off you know, scouting. What's good about this year is I do have like some of the, my, you know, some good areas picked out where I feel like, you know, I, I took, took me the whole week I was there to find them. And then finally I mm-hmm. found the, what I thought was a good area and it was time to go home. But at least now this year I could start where I left off kind of thing. Um, yeah. But How there's, it cost you there. It's like, it was expensive. It was 700 or something like that. Mm. Nebraska is uh, proud of their out-of-state tags. But also, I was thinking about that, too. It's like, well, you know, maybe that's why it has low lower pressure from out-of-state hunters. And um, they also have a cap on how many they sell. So, I don't know. Yeah, the t- tag cost really isn't. Nah, it's not that. Isn't it, it isn't really a factor. Um, because of what it costs you to get there and stuff. That's yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm car camping and all that stuff. So it's not like I I don't really have any investment into hotels or, um, any of that. I got a mattress set up in my little SUV and just going to sleep out of it because you can actually sleep on the WMAs in Nebraska. Um, so I'll be I'll be mobile in in many aspects. I guess I can I can I could just hop in my uh, back seat and sleep, and then 
go uh, go to the next spot if I need to. I don't have to worry about, you know, camping and paying fees and all that for camping. No, well, maybe if you don't uh, tag out, you save that tag and maybe uh, me and you go back up there later and I'll show you how it's done. The areas that I, uh, I was, I'm going to go to it. It does seem like it'd be good during the rut. Just mm-hmm. lots of, uh, lots of river bottoms and whatnot. So, uh, lots of thick areas for doe bedding and, um, all that. I got to figure out, uh, this is getting way ahead of myself, but I do need to, I, I've been thinking about like what I'm going to do if I'm going to kill one. And because a lot of times they will be, um, um, in velvet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I've heard that's pretty stinky, nasty stuff to take care of. You might want to find a taxidermist in that area and just take yeah. care of that there. I already did. Yeah. I already got a hold of, um, uh, a name of someone they recommend. Um, bring some coolers along so you can immediately cool the meat. Yep. Oh yeah. I got all that taken care of. Um, I just was, I don't know. Some people have told me not even to mess with the velvet and just put fake velvet on there. If you get one. That sounds uh, stupid. Yeah. I don't know the way it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, sometimes it's not an option. Sometimes it, you ruin it or whatever, I guess trying to get it out especially if you're by yourself um i got one buck uh years ago that had uh um one antler hanging around its face and it was in the antler hanging around its face was in velvet and the other one was hard antler and uh it turned out that the skull was smashed maybe a car accident or something and it actually grown back together and the antler Mm -hmm. never it never hardened it stayed soft like that. Yeah. And that skull grew back together with the antler around its face like that. And uh, I got that mounted. And uh, taxidermist never said nothing, but it's in velvet. It's on my wall in velvet or on the wall at the taxidermist shop in velvet. Hmm. Yeah, I think they put, uh, I mean, I, I don't know this for sure, but I think it's formaldehyde. They can, they um, inject it in there or something. Yeah. And it preserves it. You can actually buy like a kit that you can carry with you and it's like has syringes in it. You put it in the antlers and it's supposed to keep it. I think that's more for like people that are, you know, backcountry hunting mule deer and stuff. I think it's, you don't have to pack it out for a day or two. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I'll figure it out. There's, there's, uh, I got a couple of names from taxidermists and I was just going to call them on the way there and ask them what they, uh, recommend me doing. Uh, and then, the uh, uh, friend I made over there, he he's going to let me have, you know, he has stuff to cool it and all that if I need to freeze it before I go home or something. So that's something people like to think about whenever you go hunting this time of year out of state. You know, if you're at your house, not a big deal because you got all those resources. But when you're by yourself on a trip and it's going to be 85 degrees, it's like you got to kind of have a plan together for all that stuff. Yeah, it's even worse with bears. Yeah. Bears yeah, rot really fast. You have to take yeah. care of them immediately. You have to, like, skin them the day you shoot them. If yeah. you don't, you're going to eat a horrible-tasting bear. So we actually, when we go up to Minnesota, we um, take a freezer, a full-size chest freezer, a big one, and we take a, a generator, and we fire up the generator when a bear gets shot and then we cut it up and get the meat into the freezer immediately right in the woods. We cut them up. Yeah. 
I'm not going to haul a freezer with me, but uh, I know some people that go out west and haul one out there with them. But you're talking about a lot of meat with an elk and stuff like that. You got to, you can't just throw From there. Away. I don't have any choice. I mean, uh, there yeah. is like a walking cooler I could go to, but it wouldn't be cool enough to uh, save it. And yeah. those bears that the hides like a, like a um, insulation. Yeah, it's like a thermal cover on them, and it just they stay warm in them. We even tried putting the bear's hole in the freezer and just freezing them overnight, and they'll get frozen solid on the outside, and they'll rot in the inside. And when you uh, cut them open, they'll still be hot when you when you cut into the meat in the middle of the meat. Yeah, you have to get that hide off of them, and you have to uh, get them deboned and pack yeah. them. But deer are not like that. Deer, no. you, can, you can get them in a cooler or something or to get a processing cool. place really quick. As long as it's a legitimate processing place that uh, isn't shady, they should be able to take care of that pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can get some like dry ice too and get them home if you, if you, you know, just want to get them home. Um, especially if you can find some place like, I guess I never tried this, but some people say a lot of times um, hotels and stuff, We'll, we'll let you throw them in the freezer if you ask nicely and freeze them overnight. And then you can throw them in your cooler and get home then. Hmm. Um, but especially hotels in like really uh, popular hunting areas, you know, they're, they're used to hunters asking those kind of weird questions that you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't think many hotel hosts <laughs> get asked about deer, but in those areas they do. Um, yeah. I don't know. So if, if I'm, I, I was going to ask you this, uh, too, Dan, like when you're on an out of state hunt and you're doing the, these, the scouting, um, you know, in the mornings before you go hunting in the evening or whatever the case may be. Um, uh, and you say you, you find good sign. How do you kind of determine how, where to set up on that sign as far as like proximity to bedding is like, you just picked out like, I, this is probably where they're bedding on a map. I need mm -hmm. to be within that that distance well, I, I generally go and look towards bedding you know i might look at a field edge but if i do it's adjacent to bedding you know what I'm, i mean i'm always got that bedding in the back of my mind mm -hmm. and uh, i'm going and checking out areas that look like bedding on a map i first i drive by them and if they still look that way then i'll get out and i'll walk but i'm looking at the wind and stuff and i'm walking the downwind side and i'm going into where i would set up i'm creeping into the staging areas basically and if there's no sign, I just keep going. Or if the sign is like mediocre, I might just back out, go to the next spot, next spot. And if I don't find something better, I might go back to that spot. Or I might just keep walking until dark if I don't find anything, because the more time on foot, the better. But right. oftentimes you'll find, you know, a, a spot that's, uh, well, it's pretty good, but you don't know for sure. So you keep scouting and see if you find something better and you don't, you go back to that. Or you find something else, and then you got to wonder, well, which one do I want? But you got to be careful too if the if if the amount of property you have is limited, that you don't want to burn everything out in one day walking it. So if you find something pretty good, then maybe you got to stop looking. If you you're relatively sure you're going to hunt it, you might want to just hunt it before you walk all the stuff and uh, get your scent in there. You know? Yeah, yeah. There was a day um, last year when I was in Nebraska. I I never set up. I just never found what I was looking for and kept, kept scouting around. And all of a sudden it was, you know, whatever 
an hour mm-hmm. before dark and I'm like, oh, screw it. I'm going to just keep scouting until dark. And um, if I, if, you know, if something happens to walk in on me or something great, but. Well, the good um, thing is, and, and I like this a lot, going on road trips. Um, if you, if you know somebody in the area, like you said, you know this guy down there or you mm-hmm. met this guy. Yeah. If he's a relatively decent hunter, he should be able to at least point you in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, um, everything he says might not be your cup of tea, but he probably knows the properties that have some good bucks on them. He knows where some have been shot, things like that. And he can kind of steer you in the right direction for that time of year if you're in a totally new environment. Usually I can kind of look at a terrain and figure most of that out, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have a little advice from somebody that's hunting in the area that knows what they're doing. What I, what I find valuable from him was, uh, he, I don't know if he's watching this or not, but, um, you know, he, he was like reaffirming like what I was doing last year. I was really close to getting it figured out. He's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, what I really, um, he thought the properties I picked were really good, but what I really gained a lot from him was like some local knowledge about like how to get into places that, Mm -hmm. you know, aren't real obvious to someone driving from out of state and you know a a parking lot here or there or how to use the river this or that um and also he like knows some of the landowners around those public spots where he was like this guy here you know he he uh whatever he he's a he's a hunter he's not a hunter um they they practice management on this farm and you know he was he was actually real knowledgeable about that stuff um or you know this guy over here is you know a uh, an idiot and 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 runs all over the public land and 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 you know outfits on it and everything else you know and that stuff like that was really helpful from him mm-hmm. um and a lot of people like act like well i shouldn't say act like a lot of people don't want to have any like help from anybody right when they go anywhere but yeah like, I, I don't know i it's it can be very valuable on being successful if you get some local knowledge somewhere I don't mind uh, talking to people, but I don't like people telling me what tree to sit in or anything. Or well, pointing me right. to a spot. I kind of, right. I kind of want to do that on my own, but I, I, I often find it interesting to talk to people and kind of read them. And even if you're just talking to local people in the parking lots and stuff, you know, you kind of read if somebody's being honest with you or if they're trying to throw you off or. Right. Yeah. Or just. I think if I was in that area, I, I don't think that area cattails and stuff have caught on yet. Yeah, I bet if you found some marshes up there that don't have much for trees, yeah, I'd be willing to bet you'd you'd, uh, probably get into some stuff, especially if it's a marsh near crops. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good tip. I know of a spot like that. I just never made it. I I scouted it last year. I just never made it back to it, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of it was also corn. It wasn't beans last year, so um, this year it might be uh, it might be beans yeah well the beans by me are still green right now so oh yeah they should be in just a matter of if there's oaks dropping because right now i've seen a big shift in deer from our beans to our oaks yeah you're starting to drop i have a bunch of oak trees marked down there too to go check on well that's kind of why marshes and swamps might be something good to look at because if you start getting into woodlots that are full of oaks you're probably going to have a hard time finding deer because you're just going to be everywhere right you're going to stand up in your bed and area and eat yeah, so it's, it's, getting, it'd be hard, hard to get oaks, on 
oaks and uh, marshes and oaks and swamps are usually isolated from the bedding in high areas. And those mm-hmm. bucks are going to come out of the bedding to those areas, probably in daylight at that time of the year. So um, if there's a good acorn crop there, there sure is here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably try to look for lowland areas that don't have a lot of oaks, but hunt oaks. Right. Yep. Yeah. I got, I got a, bunch of options down there. I, th- I feel pretty confident this year on, on at least, um, getting on something better. I was on deer. I saw deer every day, every sit last year. It just was never a decent buck. You know, it was just a bunch of small stuff. Um, what would grandpa say? Shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> I almost did. I almost... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, oh, well, it'll, I, I have a lot more, uh, a lot more time this year too, to, to focus on it. And, and, uh, get it done. Last year was just a lot of me trying to figure out, you know, where I was going and how to get there and everything. We got a Savannah outdoors. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the five bucks. I appreciate it. Shout out to Savannah outdoors from North Carolina. Um, anyway, I'm either way, I'm ready to go. My bow's shooting good. My, I got all my gear halfway together, kind of, sort of. But I'm I'm hunting in uh, was a not quite two weeks, and I don't even know where all my freaking gear is. I guess there's stuff out. Yeah, I imagine you sometimes don't know where your shoes are in the morning, Dan. So yeah, I showed up at work in my freaking bedroom slippers the other day again. <laughs> I'm getting out of hand. Uh, oh, gotta well. sleep at night, I guess. Yeah, nobody noticed though. I just worked through the day. There you go. They're probably just uh, another day with Dan and Fault. Yeah, either that or they noticed and they knew better than to say something. Yeah, that's probably more like it. Don't uh, don't poke the grumpy old man. They're probably all whispering, look what he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably just made fun of you. It ain't even be... hunting season yet. <laughs> it's going to get real bad. Uh, at least you, you didn't walk in with your slippers that uh, you wear through the marsh in the swamp, did you? Your little uh, slip-on shoes that. Yeah, well, I, I melted those in the fire trying to. Oh, them. well, that's probably where they needed to be. But now I got some new ones, and the new ones are like pretty, like um, I don't know, boyish. Yeah. Boys. Oh yeah, the ones Carol made you buy, right? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I think you it had would... them on. I don't want to say the word or they'll ban us off of uh, YouTube, right. but. Right. They look like a certain kind of fellow's shoes. I probably shouldn't have them. <laughs> I didn't think they were that nice. Shoes are you wearing? Maybe I'll give them to you. We'll get a new pair. Um, yeah. If they weren't blue, aren't they blue? Yeah, they're kind of like baby blue. They're kind of. <laughs> I, I just wear boots or Crocs. That's about my. That's my. Uh, my attire anymore. Um, I have a pair of Crocs. I bet I've had these stupid Crocs for like eight years and they still look brand new. I don't know what they make them things out of, but they are, they're pretty tough, uh, things. I'm sure a bunch of people out here wear Crocs, but I love my Crocs. It's a young guy thing. I never wore them. You should get actually that old guy on uh, the beast. The one that, uh, my buddy Stan who had a uh, heart attack and died. Yeah. Yeah. He wore Crocs everywhere where I'm hunting. He'd always have, uh, pictures of his feet in the stand and just Crocs. 
Yep. Yeah, I don't. Like I said, might have lasted me forever. I, I don't know what they, they make don't them out look of. They're comfortable. They're like hard plastic or something. Oh no, they're real comfortable. Hmm. I, yeah, I wore. I was in town today. It would be nice to air out my toenails, man. Them things are nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I know Chad. Chad said you left a pair of shoes down by him, and he had to throw away the container they were in after he yeah. found them. Now I know where those are. <laughs> Oh, he didn't tell you that? No. Oh. Yeah. Uh anyway. Um, yeah, get you some crocs, get some airflow through them feet so they don't stink so bad. I'll have to look at those. At least they look manly if you get to like yeah. yeah, I got camo ones. Uh my son has them too. He loves them too. He doesn't that's about all he wears. Uh crocs and no shirt. It's hard to get the kid to wear a shirt anymore, so he looks pretty redneck most of the time, but that's all right. Um, yeah. Next year, you ought to come to early season hunt with me. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we can do that. We'll figure figure something plan out. for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love those early season hunts. Oh, I do too. I do too. Late season's fun too, but it's always a, um, it's just a grind during late season because you've been hunting so long, and then um, just different late season. You're always scratching. It's more of a scratching to get the last bit out of hunting season as opposed to being excited for a brand new season starting. I don't know. Late, late seasons uh, can be fairly successful. It's just, you know, it doesn't yeah. have the allure of the new exactly. hunt. Like at the beginning of the season when you're yeah. all worked up, ready, waiting to go. Yeah. You know, it wasn't too long ago. Nobody wanted early season hunts, you know. I know. You know, yeah. Get into it. Yeah, for sure. We always end up going somewhere late season where it's like northern Wisconsin somewhere where it's uh, oh, negative know. negative fifteen. You know, out. I was thinking about dragging you up to the Antarctica or something this year. Yeah, maybe. Hey, maybe hey now, superior or something. If I recall last year, I think I was the only one that actually really hunt, hunted at all late season. I think everybody else left me at camp. Oh, I hunted a little bit. I even yeah, got frostbite on speakers. Well, yeah. So everybody a, else was uh everybody else I was couldn't cold kill anything. I was too frozen. I mean, I got deer in front of me, but I couldn't even hit it because my arms were so froze up. But it was yeah, fun. I, that was actually a fun yeah. hunt. I had yeah, I had fun too. I got I uh I saw a lot of deer too. I just yeah. never got on a buck. Not a lot of giants, but there were some. There were some well, I wouldn't say giants, but there were some shooters there, but they were far and few between. But it was a fun yeah. hunt. It was fun chasing around, getting to know the property and stuff. And mm-hmm only hassles uh keeping up with the rules sure yeah it's that's always a little bit of a challenge um but is what it is part of hunting there i guess it wasn't, it wasn't too bad it just got to pay attention right um and that's how i kind of felt with like uh tennessee was going to be it's just like uh um just needed to be a little more prepared for it than i when i felt like i was uh, and we're getting a lot of questions, so uh, we may want to get into it. We've been on for Digging know. 45 minutes here. What, already? Yep. Holy cow. I know. It's crazy. Time just flies when you're having fun on a, on a show here. Um, let's, I'm going to, right now I'm going to uh, put the invite in the comment section. So if anybody wants to call in and ask a question, I'm doing it right now. If you look at the bottom of the comments, there's a, uh, a link to get into the show. 
just click on that and um and follow that link i think i made a mistake telling everybody to put their uh location in because now there's like a million comments on the on the page but um so yeah if you have any any uh issues getting in just send me a message on facebook if you got me on and i can try to send you a different link but that one should work all right here let's just start at the top and i'll kind of work my way down the comments do we have any luck near beaver dams you ever hunted a beaver dam dan yeah i you know i haven't had a lot of luck by them because i really don't hunt Northwoods as much as i hunt uh further south but um i have had some luck with them um usually it's not every beaver dam that's good you know um usually the ones that get some grassy around them they get a little more remote it's not something easy for somebody to access and uh i look for like uh, like we're a couple waterways come together at that beaver pond and it's grassy and you get that brush and the different terrains and stuff because they'll bed in the um the edges you know what i mean so they're going to yeah. be in the uh, thick cover edges around the beaver pond there's food there there's uh transitions there there's edge there's water there's everything they want there um but you really got to be careful because you bump those deer and it's done so you really get kind of one good crack in there having it pre-scouted is probably the best so if you got in there in winter time and looked at those beaver dams picked out a tree picked out an axis looked at the bedding looked at how they're going to watch you access it figure out a way to get in there um that's the best way to do it um because a lot of times I've gone into them blind where you guess things and you end up kicking the deer out of there or um, you don't see anything and realize later that they're better than a way that they could see or smell or hear your access. So um, knowing exactly where they're at before you go in there is probably the best. But you can get good at reading terrain and, and guessing that stuff too. Yeah, I, I guess I... I had in my head, I don't, we must not have beaver dams like you guys have up there in the North, uh, country. I mean, I've, ours are small, like they don't, you know, they're real tiny. Mm -hmm. So I've never actually hunted a beaver dam per se. I guess I've seen one from the stand. I could see one, but it's like the size of a car. not a. Yeah. It's usually the ones area. that have been around for a while that are good because it, yeah. the water kills the trees and you yeah. get an intermix of, uh, dead trees and brush and stuff like that and grass. Um, Yep. And most of our public around here is not the terrain that uh, a beaver would live in. You know, it's mostly hill country. So, well, you get up to like where I'm bear hunting by Clark County. Am I scouting in there or beaver ponds? I looked in there for deer hunting because I was trying to kill that uh, yeah. bear buck, right? Mm -hmm. And there's several beaver ponds I glued, uh, cued in on in that area. And, uh, you know, um, they are pretty small. I mean, you get one crack at them and every deer knows they're being hunted, you know? Yeah. Here's a quick one. Where did Dan's intro song for the hunting beast stuff come from? It's your, uh, I am the hunting beast. I am hunting beast. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, my nephew's a musician. Um, and, uh, he did his band did that song. Really? It's a, yeah, he did some other ones too, but they're a little too heavy metal to <laughs> yeah <laughs> to put on. But uh, uh, 
Yeah. Have to have uh, Jim Riser make you one sometime. Yeah, yeah. He's always, you know, he, he's given me some music to use and stuff, but um, I would love to do a song with him. Um, yeah. I've been kicking one around that I'd like to do. Yeah, for sure. I asked him about it and he kind of blew me off. So he's probably yeah. worried for watching this. So maybe you'll <laughs> hear this and go, I did not. And he'll call we me. Should, and go, uh, yeah. If Jim Riser's on, he should hop on and we could, we'll talk to him for a minute. But hey, we got, uh, uh, we got a couple of call-ins. Uh, Savannah, your says device not connected, so you may want to hop off and try to hop back on. But right now we got. Uh... Hey man, nice shirt. Hi. Hey, how you doing? Good. You got a man. You got a question? Um. Well, how far can a deal um know you? How far can he know you? Yes. Um, That's a good question. Yeah, it kind of is. So um, I don't know for sure, but I can say this. I've seen studies with bears that have proven that bears, which smell really similar to deer, um, have detected food sources from uh, more than 10 miles away and walked directly to those food sources um, that were radio colored and watched when they come out of their denning. The radio collars were picking up that these bear would wander on a crosswind until they would smell a, a, like a roadkill or something. And they would turn and they would walk directly into that wind straight. And sometimes it was over 10 miles on these road, uh, um, radio collars. So I think they can smell you from very long distances. And I think they can probably tell about how far you away you are by that because they don't seem to react the same to far distances as they do close by. And if you think about it, the wind in, you know, populated areas would always smell like humans if uh, they can smell for 10 miles, right? So they must be able to smell distance or tell how far you are from the smell. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'd be another good question too, is about how far of a distance is it where they start to worry about you, would you think? That's a good question too. I mean, I've observed deer downwind of people that are 50 yards away, not reacting at all. And you know, they smell them, you know, they know they're there. Um, but they're also not a threat. They're in somebody's yard or something. I've, um, I've had situations where I have to, because the land borders walk upwind of deer in order to hunt them. And I've actually successfully killed them walking within a hundred yards of them upwind and then circling around to a position where I think they're going to exit, but not in the direction of where I was upwind of them and had them come out later that evening and, and killed them. So I think uh, every deer has got a different attitude. And um, kind of like when we do deer drives, you get out of the truck and if you slam your door, sometimes you see a deer 200 yards away, jump out of what you're going to drive and take off running. And sometimes they will not move no matter how loud you are until you step on them. So they're all got a different attitude. Some of them probably uh, put up with that smell and some of them probably don't. And uh, I think some deer can walk by you in a tree stand, be directly downwind, smell you plain as day and just ignore you and not take you as a threat. And the next one, because of his life experiences, might go berserk, run out of the country and never go by that tree again. Um, thank you for that. Sure. Yeah. Have a good one, buddy. Good Dan oh, and folks, I'm <laughs> Look at that. Nice. <laughs> 
Cool That's skated cool. school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yep. See you guys. Bye. Good luck Bye. this year. All right. We got another one here from, uh, let me get the Adam. How's it going, man? What's up Cheers. guys? Nice sticks. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I actually had my mother-in-law take my cam strap. She's an upholster and kind of double the end over. I was, as I've been setting these cameras and stuff, I've been pulling the, the strap out and then I'm cussing and throwing my bag down. And Oh, yeah, I'm going to fix that. Yeah. There you uh, go. It's funny you say that. I think I, I climbed up a, a tree the other day to put a camera up. It was like big as my wrist with those sticks. Mm-hmm. I look like a coon on top of a flagpole. Anyway, so I, I got a question and I know there's so many variables, but I want to get your take on this. So I, I have a, a long ridge running North and South with a secondary ridge jutting off to the West. So, there's two hubs, one on the southwest side of that finger ridge and then one on the northwest side of that finger ridge. Both of them drop down quite a ways. Um, early July, July 11, July 4th, I got the first picture of this buck. Um, took cameras both directions, found out where he was coming from, found that. Um, went farther and farther until what I think I have him pretty well honed in on his bed. The past two weeks, I have two separate pictures at 7 a.m. I'm talking, I'm talking 7 a.m. within a couple minutes. This buck is side hilling down the northwest drainage, heading down the ridge. Now, is this? You think he's getting spooked and he's getting out of wherever he's bedded? Or do you think that buck is deliberately coming down that ridge to bed low in the middle of the day like that? Or in the morning, I guess. I think he's bedding down there on purpose. That's what I think. It's probably with a, He's probably got something going on with the thermals or wind. And uh, the way you describe the ridge, it sounds like a bad ridge for a west wind to be bedded up on the top third. So it's probably good... Uh, um good chance he's bedding down lower um i don't think there's anything at that time frame that would be spooking especially not you know when you have multiple days in a row so i think uh everything he's doing is for a reason and uh you kind of got to pick up on a pattern and use the knowledge you're getting from these pictures you know like uh per se uh i just went over a card that was over a bed Got uh, uh, in a three-month period, um, I think it's three pitchers of mature bucks on this bed. So it might sound kind of random, but they're all during the rut phase. And they were all uh, only on a south wind. And then when you looked at that, you're like, well, okay. If that I was on there, if I was, if I went in there on, uh, you, you know, between October 15th and November 15th on a south wind. Um, 
everything else aside, looking at the weather and stuff, there's a probably a 50-50 chance I was going to kill that buck or at least have an opportunity. You know, and that's just not to say he wasn't bedded in a bed real close to there, too. So you start to put things together, you know, when it's always a south wind or or 90% of the time. And, you know, um, maybe you don't get the exact bed, but you got a time frame when he's going in there in the morning, you're pretty damn close to the bed, you know? Right. So I found two separate beds. I found on the drainage on the southwest side of the finger ridge, there's one on the windward side. Then if you go around the drainage and there's another finger that juts out, there's one on the leeward side. If, it, if the wind predominantly was coming over the southeast or southwest, I'm sorry. So I was getting coming down on this hub. So the past, whenever it was, it's probably been a week and a half now when the wind had switched out of the north and was coming like northeast, north, northeast, something like that for a period of time. That was when I got him side hilling down the south side of the ridge, but heading down towards the bottom at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's catching the winds coming over the ridge or I didn't know if your experience, you guys have ever seen something. Because now, now I thought I had a pretty good idea, but now it's like... You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you know, you know, those patterns could be tough too. I mean, I've gotten them too, where you're like, okay, I got a solid south pattern here, and then your next pictures are, are north. You know, you're like, what the heck? But yeah. what I have seen is that, like, if you can put them together over a longer period of time, you start to develop patterns. It's not as cut and dry as some someone would think, but that's why we don't kill them all the time because you know it's predictable, but it's like randomly predictable. You know what I'm saying? So you put yourself in the right positions and try and work at it, but it can be, it can be tough to develop those patterns and stuff, but knowing that buck's there and you're getting daylight pictures is half the battle. Mm-hmm. So now it's just a matter of um, going in there and making strategic moves without spooking them. So looking at the property and saying, well, here's where I think he is. You take a shot at it. It don't work. You, you back out and you go in and at a different angle and you hit another spot and you keep hunting that area down till you kill him. Because really, if you take a step back and you look at the map, there's really only so many places you could be. Right. You know, so you can cover a lot of ground pretty quick. The trouble is not diving into the middle of it, like going for broke day one if you're not sure, if you're not confident on it. Because then you might just kick them out of dodge. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's a, you know, it's it's a thing you got to play, you know, it's a chess game. Right. I get you. And I, so what, what kind of blew my mind is I had pictures of him at like 8 PM on his feet on like the mouth of this or the, yeah, the top side of this drainage. I have my camera set up on like a three photo burst. I I forget what it is. I gave her three minutes, five, whatever it is, a little cheap camera, but I have pictures of this deer staying in this little area until it gets completely pitch back pitch black and my camera will switch over and then he disappears so he's got to be staging i got to be close to the bed you know what i mean that's where Mm -hmm. that's kind of where i'm getting at but now it's like this whole thing is this a card camera yeah or cell camera yep no it's it's a card camera so i went and checked it this past weekend i don't plan on going back in there to like october 
that makes sense. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've done. He's staging there now. You might want to hunt that like right away in the first day of the season. That's the plan. Yeah, that's that's the plan. But you know, <laughs> you you know that when do you open? October. Yeah, October first. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long ways from now. Yeah, pretty good chance patterns change. You know, I know. I see I like know. like windows of uh, two three weeks where they bed in a spot. Sometimes you see longer windows where they bed there for a season, but uh, most of the time I see a short window of time that they bed in uh, in the spots and then they move to another spot. You know, right? And, and I, it repeats itself. Like it'll repeat itself year after year. But uh, having them in that area, though, you can hunt down to bedding areas and kill them if he does change his pattern. Sure. Yeah. And they, uh, they just did some clear cut this summer. It was starting in like Turkey season around April. I don't know if they're making the hiking trail, whatever they're doing, but they, they knocked, I mean, it's, it's a wide strip down and through all the tops, like barely over, over the ridge where it's like the upper, the upper two thirds is nothing but treetops around this one side of the ridge. Mm, that so would create some bedding. Yeah, and without me crawling through it on my hands and knees, like I'm ninety percent sure that's where it's coming from. But you know, and then he comes downhill at seven a.m. and I have no idea what I'm doing. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. But I just didn't know. Uh, you know, like you're saying, the oaks are going to start dropping here in you know two, three, four weeks, whatever. And I'm mean, already dropping here. They're already. Mm -hmm. I haven't. The one flat I know I do have, I was I have a camera on. It's still holding now. Whether or not it'll drop, I don't. You know, I don't know. But I haven't seen anything drop yet. I could be wrong, but but yeah. So anyway, that's all I got. I want to get your take on that. But I've had a few late nights of staring at the map, being like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But. Anyway. Uh, all right. Thanks, man. Have yep. a good one. See you guys. See ya. All right. Certainly ain't easy, is it? Most of the no. time. No. Um, he's probably closer than he thinks with that. Just like right, you said, exactly. having, having one in daylight hours is right. Just um, hop around till you kill him. Yep. I think I probably should have mentioned it. I'm sure he's still on, but it's like, I'd quit going in there too. Like, quit. I'd quit checking that camera. I mean, that's exactly. it's getting pretty close. Definitely. That's why I asked um, him if it was a card or a silk cam. Yeah. 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 Here's a question for you, Dan. Would you ever switch uh, tactics with Eberhart and wear scent lock and have him go raw dog for a year? <laughs> Number one, he would never, he, he would never go along with that. And yeah. <laughs> to me, it wouldn't really matter if I wore it or not. <laughs> I don't have no belief in scent control and I never will. I, uh, I just got a, ch a chuckle at that. He called your style raw dog. <laughs> oh, geez, Lou. That's funny. Someone did ask last time what your thoughts were on, uh, activated carbon clothing. Uh, I saw that comment later on after we got off. Yeah. I don't think there's um, any possible way it can work. Um, you even talk, I've talked to, um, the scientists that make, uh, activated carbon people that work in like uh, the cadaver industry that's where it came from mm -hmm. and they tell you there's no way you know the, the people that are, are scientifically trained in that stuff that you can't stop the scent getting through from 
for like a deer. It's not made for that. Um, people compare it to their own noses. They smell it. You know, like you can spray spray, you know, like those guys at the shows, they'll, they'll like, uh, they'll have you like touch gasoline or something on something. Yeah. And they'll spray with them. See, see, you can't smell it. Yeah, you can't. You don't smell like a deer a million times stronger than you. Yeah. It's a difference of like, um, like if a, uh, skunk sprayed, uh, uh, sprayed you, you know, you take a rag and wipe it off. You remove some scent, but it ain't going to stop your old lady from detecting skunk when you walk in the door the second you walk in. And deer's noses are so strong that they smell you no matter what, if they get downwind and they know where you're at. It's just, it's just fact. Right. Yeah. I, I work in the feed industry and they, they use, they used to use activated carbon to absorb certain things. And I talked to a couple people, um, that I used to work with that were very knowledgeable on, and they kind of said the same thing. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work good enough to make a, make a big difference, but I whatever. A, a crime one time, uh, a live film show of, um, these, um, FBI officers after this dude. And, uh, yeah. I mean, a real show, it's not made up. So they, uh, they had this guy pinned to a motel room in Texas and they went down there and surrounded the place Yeah, and barged in and he was gone. You know, they got tips that he was there. So then they get the guy that uh, owns the motel out there and he says, well, the guy left three days ago. He ran out of money. We told me he had to leave. So they go in there and the room's been scrubbed clean and they've been after this guy for murder. So they want him bad. So they go in there and, um, uh, the room is scrubbed clean. Uh, they cleaned it. So they look all over the place. They got all their detectives walking in and out of there and stuff. And then one of the detectives uh, looks in this little garbage can underneath the nightstand by the phone. And in the garbage can, there's one item. It's a Coke can. So he calls in the cleaning lady and he asks her, was that Coke can there when you cleaned? And she says, yeah, it was from the person who was in here. She said, typically, we don't throw it out if there's just like one Coke can in there or something. We just leave it in there. You know, it must have been like a crappy place, but. Right. So uh, <laughs> he puts on rubber gloves and he takes his Coke can out of the garbage can. Yeah. And they bring in a dog and they have the dog smell the Coke can. Now, this is in a, in a city just crowded with people. It's all concrete. People walking up and down these sidewalks. That guy's been gone for three days. They have this dog smell that can. That dog follows that guy's scent out of that room, up the sidewalk around all these people walking up and down the sidewalk, follows them quite a ways, crosses this lawn, gets to a river, crosses the river, goes up this hill, and goes right to a tent where this guy's sleeping in the tent and they bust him. It's insane. Yeah, it is. The um, There was a, you know, there's a, what I call the scent control police. You know, like these scent control companies have people hired that go online and they, they uh, try to dispel anybody saying bad things about scent control. They really do. I've ran into them, but, uh, they will tell you all kinds of crap about this stuff, but God, I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Scent control police. Yeah. I don't know. Go on. Yeah. Anyway, I guess my opinion on, uh, of it all is like, it didn't, doesn't really work for me. I've tried it in years past and, but like, man, if it makes you 
feel like you're a better deer hunting hunter and confident like throw a stick at it whatever you know that, that's what i was going to yeah. say is that that the um um they they stopped these guys from uh doing a show or that they actually got them to remove it but the uh mythbusters guys yes put a show out but the scent control people went after them threatened to sue them and all kinds of stuff because of the, because of the work they did but what yeah. they did was they um they got dogs and they um they did a study so they had a guy that was a dirty guy a clean guy and a scent control guy and the dirty guy they had him work out and stuff and then uh not change his clothes or anything and the clean guy they had him shower and change his clothes and uh clean up with baking soda and wash real nice and stuff and then the, the uh scent control guy they uh got instructions from the scent control company and uh followed their instructions completely to remove all of his scent and they had these three guys do the same pattern on the same type of landscape and they did a couple of tests and one they put a uh they put the guy in a uh in a in a enclosed um blind where you couldn't see him and they ran the dogs downwind and uh timed how long it took the dog when he got down directly downwind to get to, to find the guy and uh in that case uh three out of three times they found a scent control guy first not last first they ran to him mm -hmm. first and then they did the same thing where they did a a, a pattern they had the same distances, the same turns, and the same terrain, but not the same spot. And they let a tracking dog on the scent. And each time, it found the scent control guy first. Smelled him down, tracked him down, least number of seconds. And then uh, when they did this, they released a show on it. And the scent control companies went nuts and said, oh, he's breaking grass. The dog is smelling broken grass. That's why he's following him. And, uh, the, you know, you didn't do it right. And, and their big gripe was you didn't do the scent control, right? You had to have his wrist taped so that no scent could get out of the, um, between the glove and the, the sleeve. You have to have a, a face mask on, you have to have a head net on, you have to cover his eyeballs. You have to cover his nose. You have to cover all of his hair. So they went through and they did everything and, and, and granted now they followed the instructions. They had called them and asked them first. And all of a sudden, their instructions changed. They had to have every seam taped, their boot to, boot to pants, their pants to shirt, their sleeves to the gloves. They taped every seam. They, they power washed these dudes, and they, they cleaned them off with acetone and washed them down, and they baking soda them and all kinds of stuff. And then they uh, they covered everything. They taped every seam with, with uh, scentless tape and all kinds of stuff. They did the test over again and had the exact same results. And uh, the scent control companies threatened to sue them. And they took the, the shows down. They're only up for a short period. Hmm. But uh, you cannot beat a deer's nose. You can't. I mean, I've smelled like crap. I come out of my machine shops yeah. wearing my uniform, go kill big bucks. I've killed them wearing my work boots that I walk around in oil and crap all day in. If they get downwind or they cross my central, they smell me, they know I'm there. Period. So you think I'm careful about where I walk and stuff. And quite often, I've had them walk across my central when I wear work boots or I'm wearing work clothes. They get downwind to me and they have absolutely no reaction. You bounce milkweed yeah. off of them. 
you know, um, and different deer, you know, got different temperaments. I've been on, uh, yeah. I've been on, uh, uh, managed ranches where, you know, 150 inch buck stands 10 yards from your tree, looks at you, sees you in the tree, you drop milkweed right on and he obviously smells you and he just keeps eating. And I've had on public land, a fawn get a whiff of you and just run like a maniac, you know, so take it for what it's worth. But, you know, if scent control matters, I must be a hell of a hunter because uh, I don't use it and I'm killing a lot of good bucks. Why do you think the dog found the guy using scent control first every time? It might be because he cleaned up the odor enough that it was pure and not all over the place. I have no idea. Hmm. But it was first every time, which I found very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. There was the least um, number of seconds that it, tra it tracked him. And it was the least number of seconds for him to get to the guy when it smelled him each time. Do you think you can, um, you know, a lot of guys will um, play the wind, but they still you know, kind of do all the scent control stuff where they take a shower with scent free stuff, scent free deodorant, clothes in a tote. You think, you think that it helps uh, at all? Or is it like such a minute help that it's not worth messing with? You know what? I think, I think it helps you because you feel better. I can't, I can't stand uh, the smell of perfumes and stuff when I'm out in the woods. I want to smell the woods. Uh, you know, yeah. I, want, I want a pure natural smell. Um, but that's for me. Um, I wash my clothes and whatever detergent Carol buys. Don't really yeah. care. I think there's something to like the, um, the brighteners. You got to watch that, that crap. Yeah. But other than that, the smell wise, I don't think it matters. Matter of fact, uh, my hunting jackets, my hunting vests, my, my hat, um, my boots, um, never get washed period. Yeah. Ever. I mean, yeah. I, I had one jacket that I, I wore, I killed a whole bunch of my biggest bucks in that jacket. It was like a flannel thick jacket that I really mm -hmm. loved. And I literally wore that thing till it fell to pieces and it was never, ever washed. And Carol used to mm -hmm. always complain because she could smell me walking to the house wearing it. And I killed a lot of my biggest bucks wearing that thing. Yeah. Hmm. Need to remake it, start selling that jacket. Yeah. It smelled like deer guts. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, let's get off the scent control stuff. Do swamp bucks taste different than corn-fed bucks, Dan? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. The same, the same stuff. Yep. Um, the, the biggest taste difference I see in deer is when people don't take care of them correctly. Right. Yeah. Um, a lot of times bucks don't taste as good as does is because the people drive around with them on their truck all day. They hang them out in the sun for days to show them off. They tote them around and, you know, where if it's a doe, you have a tendency to just take it in and get it cut up right away or cut it up yourself right away. Right. The faster you take care of that meat, I think the better. Yeah, for sure. The meat eater guys have a pretty cool thing they're doing. They got a, um, it's essentially, it's a piece of equipment that uh, measures how, um, tender meat is hmm. and they're doing about they're doing a bunch of testing right now um, people are sending them like that huff buck you know that big giant deer they killed in india guy killed in indiana they they sent them a piece of uh um that meat to test in their tester and they're trying to get like all different ages and different parts of the country deer sending them in and test uh how 
you know, the tenderness of the meat to try to figure out what, uh, what's, uh, I don't know, what, why you know deer what, would uh, be tough or not tough. You know what I've noticed is that gut shot deer don't taste very good. Mm. Ones that, that die slow, liver shot or gut shot. Um, and you got to remember too, that liver shot and gut shot deer die of toxic poisoning. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Yep. Um, but they die of toxic poisoning. Right. That gets into their bloodstream. And, uh, that taints the, the flavor of the meat. So gut shot deer do not taste as good. Yeah. I could see that for sure. Um, I think a lot of it's how you cook it too, if it tastes good or not. You got to remember too, if they die slow, a lot of adrenaline and stuff gets into the bloodstream too. Yeah. Right. Just flipping through comments here. There's a, quite a few more questions. I'm just trying to... Oh, sorry guys. I missed the... A spammer. It looks like someone took care of it for me, though. Um, <laughs> anyway, what do you think about ozonics, uh, ozone? I th- you know, it's actually an interesting thing, and I think it uh, it could work in the in a, uh, right environment, but you'd have to be contained within in something, and you'd have to have several of those units. And I don't even think it's too healthy to be, um, yeah, that kind of uh, amount that you'd need to really cover yourself. And um, really, if I take a step back here, I think orthodontics could possibly work. Like I said, yeah, but really, I that's not even something I would want to do. The last thing I would want to do is uh, remove my scent. I think orthodontic probably comes the closest, but I think it still fails. Mm-hmm. But if you removed your scent completely. Hunting would be too easy and wouldn't even be fun no more. It's supposed to be hard. It's supposed yeah. to be difficult. You know, all these people trying to beat the system, and I hope they always fail because hunting is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a challenge. And um, if you find some simple way to um, make it so a deer can't smell you and you can walk right up to them while they're bedded and kill them, it ain't going to be fun no more. It really ain't. Yeah. Might as well just pop chipmunks in the yard. Mm-hmm. It's also fun to do. Uh, I know, like, I've seen some of the, you know, the big hunters on the outdoor channel and stuff. They'll they'll use an ozonics inside their blinds, and that probably is a, you know, fairly effective way of reducing scent. But I've never never messed with any off or don't or or whatever. Yeah, you got to remember is you know I've worked in the industry long enough to have worked with a lot of those those people that are on shows and stuff. Yeah. I ain't going to name names, but uh, you're with them and they tell you the same thing I'm saying, that scent control don't work, and then they're on TV telling you telling you right. to buy it because it does. Yeah, And uh, I've had those same guys tell me at the shows over the year that I'll never have a TV show if I keep talking the way I talk because you got to have a scent control sponsor. you got to have a pants sponsor. you got to have a knife sponsor. You gotta If you don't have all those sponsors, you won't be able to afford to do this for a living. You cannot you know, tell people not to use that stuff. And, and literally, why would I want to become an infomercial? But those guys want to be important in hunting so bad that they're willing to sell their souls for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would rather just be honest. And uh, crap don't work. And people can yeah. keep asking questions in different directions, but same answer. It don't work. Yeah. And I hope it never does. Right. Right. Um, it's supposed to be a chess game. You know, it's, it's me and you against the deer. It's, yep. it's not like a trickery game. It's not, we're not magicians. It's, it's about learning the habits. 
picking the right tree, figuring out what you got to do for the wind. That's the challenge of it. Why do you want to mm -hmm. take the challenge out of hunting? Yeah. Fortunately, like a lot of states have kind of, you know, nipped the butt and some of the technologies that came out over the years um, that made it kind of unfair, just like can't hunt at night. Right. Cause it's, mm -hmm. it's makes it too easy. Um, there's some like bow sites too, that I don't know if I totally agree with that. Like just, you just essentially is a range finder on the thing and you, and you just point it at the deer and it pops the light up exactly. You know, there's like, it takes like, mm -hmm. in my opinion, if you got one and like it great, but it just seems to me like, it's like, ah, that's, that's pushing it for me. It's like, man, that's doing a lot of stuff for you there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a good point is, is like, uh, don't take my statements as I'm knocking somebody for using no. sound control or I'm knocking somebody for using some technology. Um, I don't care what anybody does. I'm yeah. saying for me, my personal feelings, because because hunting is supposed to be a, th a thing between you and nature. It yeah. ain't between you and other people. I don't care what other people do. I no. have no, no opinion of what anybody listening to this does. What I care about is what I do. Yeah. Matter of fact, that you know, I could care less if Josh uses scent control or he doesn't. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about me. You know, yeah. and, and being true to myself. Yeah, yeah. We don't think any less of you if you wear scent lock and a hairnet and sling around in the saddle. And uh, yeah, if it works for you, I that's what I do too. You know. <laughs> um, let's see here. I just saw one that was pretty good. Here it is. You think mosquitoes or gnats affect deer where they bed? Yeah. I don't know how you can use that too much to your advantage. Maybe uh, if the mosquitoes are heavier by a swamp, they might be up high or something. But I've seen a lot of deer get up and just like run from mosquitoes. Like they'll be feeding and mosquitoes are all over them and they'll just run to another spot. Did you ever see that, Josh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, uh, or they'll, they'll just start like just freaking out for a minute and shaking their legs. I feel bad for them sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I got like summertime footage of some deer that just look, oh, they look miserable. I mean, they got, you can almost see black spots to where there's so many bugs on them and stuff. Um, yeah. We're like superheroes. We put them out of their misery. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and something else like, to think about like i think it probably takes a lot more of that kind of annoyance to uh make them move than what it would take for us you know um but it like you said it, it definitely annoys them oh uh, let's see here don't forget everybody you can call in if you if you need to or if you want to at the bottom someone tried to call savannah outdoors tried to call in earlier and the mic your mic and your uh camera said it wasn't working so i had to i couldn't get you on here so i'm uh, sorry about that if you get that figured out just hop back on and i'll let you into the um into the show someone asked does beast hunting style work in the south it works everywhere everywhere there's whitetails whitetails are very similar everywhere there's plenty of people using them in the south that are doing very well yeah it does seem like anybody that's killing deer. I mean, that's, it's, it's like their, their basis, at least on public land, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, let's see here, guys. 
going through here. Someone asks, what amount of scouting sign in Hill Country would make it a potential spot to sit that evening? If you're scouting around in Hill Country. More than any other spot you looked at. Yeah. Whatever's the, the It's hard to say. At. I mean, uh, every place is different. It might it might depend too on how many um bucks per square mile you got. You know, um areas that have a lot of big bucks, big buck bedding areas are tore up and there'll be tore up rub lines going into them. Um, but areas with low big buck densities and there might only be one or two deer in the size range you're after those areas might not have hardly any rubs they might be rubbing out by the feet and by the does and they don't have to compete over bedding so there's no rubs there um so you might be looking more at tra uh, tracks trails coming out of bedding um i think the main thing i'm looking for coming out of bedding is if it looks like it's big buck bedding to me and i think there's a big buck in the area is that the sign coming out of the bedding is fresh um, if it's a rub, it's really good because then I can tell kind of a size frame or age frame based on the height of the rub. I can also look at a rub and see if the, um, sap is still wet on it. If it's been made in the last day or two, I can see if there's uh, fresh stuff on top of the leaves. It's still moist that came, you know, the bark that came down from the tree. Um, I can look at the tracks and see if the tracks, uh, were kicked up dirt. If the dirt's dried and gotten uh, crisp to the soil, or if you can flick it around with your finger and it's still kind of wet, so it's from the last day or two. So fresh sign is huge to me and uh, big sign. So it doesn't have to be a lot. I mean, all I need is a deer to be coming through there, you know, once a day, you know, and you'd be there the time frame that he comes through. So uh, hill country on top of hills is hard to read because the ground is usually firmer and it's harder to see that so you kind of sometimes you're just looking at browse you're looking at a funnel coming out of what you think is bedding and there's fresh browse the ends of the ends of the plants are bitten off and it looks fairly yeah. fresh you're still a little wet um and there's a fair amount of trails i think i like to see rubs but you don't always see them you know Sometimes you got to throw a hunt at it and find out. You got any takes on that, Josh? You hunt a lot of that. Yeah. Um, in, in hill country, it's like, um, I always tell people, like, sometimes you've got to trust the terrain more than the, the sign sometimes. I mean, there's you're not always going to see the sign like you do if you're walking in a swamp where there's a real hard transition and, you know, all that stuff. Right, but uh, on the other hand, you have to have some sign. If you get in there, there's no sign. Sure. If you're a bender, you're going to be like, ah, it's probably at the spot. But if you're, I have a lot of people that go and scouting with me in hill country that come from the swamps, and they're just like, there's no deer here. You know, yeah. uh, where's all the well, sign? I'm like, they're here. I promise that's the they're here. you got to remember is lowland hold sign. That yeah. wet soil and soft soil. Yeah, exactly. Sign. A couple of deer walking through there look like a freight train went through. And you get mm -hmm. up on a hill. And you can have 50 deer go down the same trail and it'll hardly look like anything. Yeah. And a lot of times, especially if you have like, um, like low area, like Dan's talking to adjacent to hills where it's good bedding in those hills, you have to just trust that like those deer are probably going to be bedding, you know, up in right. those hills, uh, and, and still set up on what may hmm. feel like, you know, not the right area because all the signs down low, you know, 400 yards from where they're bedding. Uh, right. That's just stuff. 
you got to get better at too as you get I mean you can, with- to go with what you're saying I mean you could see good sign in the valley or on a field yeah. edge and now you're going to hunt those spots in hill country that should be holding deer based on the leewards and and the points and stuff like that and the funnels coming out of crow's foot or whatever and then you're going to get action just based on that I mean that's the great thing about hill country is you just read it like a map yeah because they stay at a certain elevation when they're coming out of bedding and or, well they don't actually stay there but i mean they bet at a certain elevation you kind of know where they're at you can kind of look at the terrain and see how they're going to flow all you have to do is know that there's a buck in the area and you can hunt down those bedding areas pretty quick where if you get down in a swamp you can overlook a bedding area anywhere i mean they could they could have one 100 yards from you that you don't even know about you know but in a hill country they could still bed in odd spots, but yeah. generally they're where they belong. You can read it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Guys, we have almost 400 people on here tonight. That's freaking awesome. If you um, if you like it, subscribe. We'll do it again next week, and uh, you guys can watch the clips and all that if you missed the early part. Let's do a couple more, and then me and Dan are going to hop off here. We've been on here for an hour and 30 minutes. Um. Here's a uh, question from Adam. How many of the old bucks you shoot do you think would die of old age if you hadn't identified their weak points and killed them? You know, I have no idea, but I do know that there's a hell of a lot more that I've hunted that I haven't killed. And uh, it's not real often that I hear about somebody killing them. And, and some of those bucks are of a size range that I would. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know whatever happens to them. I have no idea, but they don't end up on a hunter's wall. Um, yeah. Every now and then they do. You know, once in a, you know, probably one out of ten of those giant bucks ends up getting whacked by somebody. It's usually a gun hunter, um, just because they're more effective at jumping them and shooting them or whatever. Where those deer, when they get to that age frame, have a tendency to never go where people bow hunt, but. Uh, that's a good question. I have no idea what the answer is, but I do know that um, many of the largest bucks I ever hunted, nobody ever shot. And, and that's in populated areas. Yeah. yeah I, I would echo the same thing. It's like I've the, the handful of true giants that I've found in my life. It's like you just never hear about them ever again one year. It's like they're just gone. I think when they get uh, to an age frame of five or six, they get pretty damn near close to impossible to kill. Yeah. You got to do everything right or just get tremendously lucky by just yeah. happening to put your tree stand in the right spot. But yeah, it's not an easy, it's not easy to tip over any deer, let alone one that's been walking around for six or seven years. I'm going to hunt uh George. I'm hunting, I'm hunting whitetail. I'm not hunting mule deer in Nebraska. Not not this year. Actually, my tag's not even good for mule deer. It's just... Um, it's only good it's for whitetails? Yep. They charge that much for it? I thought they thought whitetails were like carp no, out there. No, they, they, they... I think they changed something else, unless I misread something, but it, it was for a... It specifically said whitetail hmm. um, for some reason or the next. Maybe they were... I don't know. Maybe they're trying to reduce the number of mule deer tags. I did read some stuff where they were not letting people shoot... Uh, mule deer does uh so maybe the population's down or something um dan 
Dan is going on a bear hunt this year. He has a Wisconsin tag. Someone asked if you're bear hunting. Yeah, I got some big ones coming in. I got, uh, I've only got three baits out and, um, there's baits that I've hunted before that I've shown before, you know, in our videos. Um, but I did hire somebody to keep them baited for me. Um, so that we can keep them baited every other day. And, uh, I do have, um, big bears coming in each bait and uh, some of them I've got a history with from the past that have come back from five years ago. Um, one in particular, I'd really like to, to take, um, I'm taking Rick along. He's going to hunt too. We're going to hunt, uh, the buck that had the giant, I mean the bait that had that giant buck on it. Um, that one's got a lot of bears coming by it. Um, Rick will probably hunt there. Um, and I'm going to hunt a spot that's really remote, um, that I've got some history with a big bear and he's back. So I'm going to go back after him. And then we got a backup bait that has, uh, a real big boar coming in, but he's pretty random. He comes in like, uh, once or twice a week in daylight. Yeah. So we'll see if they're still in daylight when I go down there. I mean, we've got a really good acorn crop this year. Hopefully they stay on the baits. Um, Wisconsin opens on the seventh. Um, I can't find the question, but I remembered off, off the top of my head. This will be our last one of the day or the night. Um, uh, does, uh, does, uh, bear baits affect the deer movement in the area? Someone asked That's that. That's a good earlier. question. I would think so, but, uh, some of my observations don't, don't agree with that. I mean, I got uh, trail cameras and all my baits, and I got uh, deer coming in constantly as soon as the bears open it. And the bear bait buck, I had pictures of the bear opening up that that bait on several occasions, and that buck was standing 20 yards from him watching him wait until he would leave and then would come in and eat. Yeah. Hmm. So, I don't know. I even had him coming in right after wolves, so. So, the probably the draw to that food was more overwhelming than uh than the threat of danger maybe i don't know but there you go man everybody i hate to get off here there's so many people on but uh make sure you subscribe guys uh it's really taken off and it's uh it's cool to see i hope everybody is enjoying the show um it's gonna be fun when it gets into hunting season we can talk oh, about our hunt Oh, I can't wait. I got a, uh, I bought a little journal to keep track of everything for everybody. So I can, uh, so I can not forget stuff. Cause I tend to do that. Uh, just, to just to have on my, on, on hand whenever I'm going, we're going through the, the week of hunting every week. Yeah. It's going to be cool too. Cause then you can go whatever, watch it on the hunting beast and see it real time and go back and forth and all that. Ask us questions. Well, whatever scenario you're up against for the week and it'll be fun. So you we getting back on before you go to Nebraska? Yeah, we'll probably get on. We're going to try to get on Wednesday, which is the day before. Maybe I'll, we can talk about what I found or what I'm seeing, what the plans are. Um, may, may only be an hour show or something like that, but we'll try to make it. Are you going to do it live from Nebraska? Yep. All right. Yep. I have to find. I may be sitting at McDonald's or something, but I'll find some place that has good enough internet to. Our the video quality may not be as good. 
we'll have Mad to see uh, if you adopted a hillbilly accent or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Nebraska. I don't think they're any less hillbilly than me. So, or any more hillbilly than me. So, um, anyway, I'm I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. We got lots of stuff planned. That's all me and Dan talk about anymore is plans for the year and trying to get logistics together and all that. So yeah, we lots got some of big, big stuff in the plans. Yeah. Yep. Also, we wanted to talk about something before we get off here about one particular plan. So we're doing something called, I can, I can tell everybody what it's called, right? Yep. Absolutely. It's going to be called the battle of the bows. And, uh, essentially what we're doing is we're going to have a compound group, me and Dan, uh, the stick boys are coming, which is, uh, Dalton Lewis and his crew. They, they hunt with the traditional only they're called the stick boys. They've got some good, cool hunts on YouTube. And then guys from crossbow magazine are coming and we're going to hunt in Western Wisconsin, uh, and they're in the rut and it's going to, we're going to kind of make it out to be like, you know, talk about why we're using what we're using as far as, um, equipment and then tactics, obviously, but, well, I'm telling you all this is because we're going to invite uh, a group of guys or girls, whoever, um, on that hunt. From the and public, from the audience. From the audience, yep. Um, probably going to have with me and Josh. And yeah, it, yep, it's going to be a good time. You do have to have you do have to um, film your own hunts, though. That's a um, kind of a the one catch of it got to be able to film and have camera gear and all that. So if you got you a little YouTube channel or something going on, or just, um, kind of a hobbyist on the filming your own hunts, you'd be qualified good enough for us. Uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to that. Um, I think what we're going to do is I'm going to, I'll make a clip out of this video and in the comment section or in the, in the uh, description below, I'm going to have a email address that you can send, uh, an email to it. And we will, uh, would like for you to tell us why it would be beneficial to, for you to be on the hunt and kind of why we should pick you to go on the hunt. Um, and kind of tell us your story essentially. And me and Dan will sit down and go through them and, and pick one out and, um, invite a group of, um, you can, you can be an individual too, I guess. We just, we thought it'd be best if you, um, if you wanted to bring someone, you could don't have to, didn't necessarily have to be a group I, or, you know, uh, or anything but if you want to bring a buddy you can yeah, so i think what we'll do is we'll uh, probably stay at a campground yep um or somebody's private land that allows us to camp there mm -hmm. and uh we'll uh you know bring our own meals and stuff you'd have to buy your own license yeah um the hunter yep. the, the hunt will probably be uh, what four days yeah it's just gonna be essentially like a long weekend and i think it's the 14th or the 17th um, is what we're and out of October is what we're planning on right now. Um, I think we're actually going to probably sounds like we're going to end up getting a cabin to stay in. So, um, it's going to be fairly comfortable hopefully. So anyway, yeah, look in the description below if you're watching the clip and we'll, uh, we'll get you entered to, uh, come hunt with us this year. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. All right. Let's get off here, Dan. Everybody have a good night. We'll see you. It's going to be Wednesday next week. See ya. See ya. Bye.